you're fed up with the nine to five. You've been working hard for years and you're just not seeing the results you want. You want to break free from the traditional career, but don't know how. Business Breaks is here to help. Business Breaks podcast with your hosts, John Byrne and Dante Healy. Today's topic is companies that are too big to fail. Why do they get into this situation and what can be done about it? If anything, is this the standard? Is this or is this something that is completely avoidable? Hi, John. Go for it. Well, I suppose are companies genuinely too big to fail or do they just think they are? Some of the examples, uh, you know, when, when we were thinking about this and we'd, we'd brought them up, but some of the examples that we came up with are companies that actually failed. They probably thought they were too big to fail at the, you know, at the time, but yeah, becoming complacent, you know, when, when they're successful or that, or, or just being afraid to disrupt their own industry. Typical examples, to, the two obvious ones being Polaroid and Kodak, who um, between them basically invented digital photography but had too much investment in film that they didn't want to disrupt that and they were afraid to disrupt it. And then eventually others came along, caught up with them on the digital photography part and they did the disruption. And, you know, I suppose it's, it's timing as well. They didn't want to disrupt their own cash flow, but they took too long to disrupt it. Somebody was always going to disrupt it and it should have been them since they were the first ones with the technology, but they held on too long and got replaced. They, they, they weren't too big to fail in the end. <laughs> Indeed. And in terms of that decision, when we talk about these large organizations, it's not just one consciousness or one entity that's making a decision or even one individual, even though there may have been some powerful CEOs at the top who are ultimately accountable for those choices that were made. But it seems to me that it's a collective agreement within an organization where you have a culture, you have a way of operating within that culture and those groups have agreed norms of behavior that cover not just communication but decision making and therefore those ideas are either validated or they're contested ultimately to get to an agreement so maybe there were people within the organization which we'll never know about who probably championed like say digital photography but were either silenced or um, ignored and maybe some of those people went on to work for competitors or set up for themselves in order to realize their vision, either to be proved right or just simply because they knew it was the right thing and they stood by their convictions. Yeah, so if you are, you know, the classic Nokia example, they were the, the ruling uh, mobile phone manufacturer. Yeah. yeah, and they simply refused to react when the iPhone came out wasn't the iPhone that did them out of business. It wasn't that they didn't react to the phone itself. It was the idea of smartphones that they were insistent on. No, smartphones are a niche market. Feature phones are the way to go. And they completely ignored the market. They ignored the fact that Android came on stream and everybody was making smartphones using Androids. And only then did they start trying to develop their own was a Symbian OS, but they were too late. The, the market had disappeared from them and they went bust. You know, they're gone now. Well, they didn't go bust. They were bought by Microsoft and then spun off again. But the Nokia that exists now is not the Nokia that existed then. For all intents and purposes, that Nokia is gone. A classic too big to fail company, which failed because you know, with them, they weren't worried about killing off an existing product. They just didn't see a need to develop it any further. They thought that existing project, that product that they had was enough. <laughs> kind of hard to 
hard to actually understand that one. The um, at least with the Polaroid and Kodak, you can kind of understand if they went into full on into the digital photography, they'd kill off their film business, which was their big uh, cash cow. So they didn't want that. Where you can't really understand why did Nokia not go full in into the smartphones? You know, the the, the signals were there, um, and they wouldn't have been killing off their existing business. That would have been, you know, even if they were proven right that feature phones still had a future, they'd have been just doing feature phones and smartphones together. They weren't replacing one with the other. They were keeping, you know, they'd been keeping both going. So some of these companies are not too big to fail, no matter how big they are. And, and Nokia was, you know, in Finland, it was probably a, a, almost a, a national business, you know, was a, a, you know, Finland Inc. type of thing. It was so big there. And now it's, it, as I said, I don't think you'd even class what it is now as the same company. Yeah. But was it ever the same company when it originated? Because I remember, funny story, I actually looked up Nokia a few years ago when I was having a meal in central London with my wife and there was a lovely couple much older than us sitting next to us on an adjacent table. And yeah, the guy happened to be a retiree, but he was very senior in Nokia. Originally, Nokia actually started out as a paper mill back in the 1800s. So... It's obviously evolved coming from paper, rubber, textiles to uh, telephone, electrical cables, and then eventually wireless. But yeah, it enjoyed a certain amount of success for a while. And then it suddenly disappeared. As you say, it was acquired and wound up and spun off. And the brand uh, is, is pretty much non-existent, at least in in the original smartphone market but yeah there was a period when it was starting out where it did have some humble origins and then it just grew and it evolved but then somewhere along the line stopped evolving stopped taking risks and decided for whatever reason they were going to run the status quo i presume they seem to take a conscious decision to no longer innovate yeah that seems and especially considering you know like i said with the other two examples that we mentioned for them to have innovated, fear was was a big motivator for them not to use digital because they were going to kill off film, which did happen when digital came. Film went way down and they went bust. They didn't want to, you know, in the argument, they should have been kind of thinking, well, if somebody is going to kill our film business, it should be us, not an outsider. At least we'd be still profiting from it. They didn't, but fear, you know, would have played a big part in that. But I can't see where the fear from Nokia would have been that, you know, they were doing feature phones and they, they were determined not to move into the smartphone market scene as a niche market. You'd be kind of thinking, well, yeah, but I mean, for what you do for the feature phones, you probably it's not fear of the smartphone market. You didn't think it was going to become more than a niche, so you don't fear it. But by the same token, you should be in it as an adjacent offering. You know that you have your revenue groups and revenue circles and all that, and you have your core one, and you usually have an adjacent one. And something to just, you know, you'd be developing the smartphone stuff. And some of the things on the smartphone then would work their way back into your feature phones. You know that you'd be innovating your feature phones still, even if that's where you taught your things. And it would have meant then when the realization came that, okay, feature phones are no longer wanted by enough people with smartphones. You'd have a smartphone in section that, right, and let's just broaden that, you know, let that take over some of the feature phone assets to manufacture more smartphones. And you'd be ready to go. You'd have your... The Nokia situation was one I, I could never understand, even not with hindsight, even when it was happening, that why were they so reluctant to get involved in smartphones at all, given that it's the natural progression for the natural innovation for what they did, what they were good at. That would be... Yeah. Um, 
love to to know what their thinking was. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not aware of anybody from the, that board ever writing a book to explain themselves. But if they did write a book, I think I'd be buying it to read it just to see what was their thinking. Why did they let the market pass them by so obviously and so easily? It'd be wonderful to get copies of board minutes after a certain period. I think you know, like say, get ten years down the road of a company and then allow the board meeting minutes to be in the public domain. There would be some very interesting case studies, I'm sure, in terms of what was decided, why it was decided. But you can also think about when you're looking at the strategy, that's the board's role. They should be future focused. And if you're thinking about, well, Nokia should be in the smartphone market because it's not a massive pivot. They have core capabilities that would be a competitive advantage in that market. That being said, there may be other companies going in there like Samsung's who actually supplied most of the parts for the iPhone, who would be thinking, well, we're producing the components, most of them. Why don't we just build our own product and just brand it ourselves and then release it? So it's also those competitive forces that are driving really whether Nokia probably thought, should we be going into this area which we're not comfortable with? And again, it's, it's as you say, it's that complacency going back again, where people do, for fear of failure, stay in their comfort zone and say, no, we'll stick to what we're good at, we'll stick to what we know, and we'll, we'll forget about the fact that the market is changing and likelihood is that we'll probably be no longer relevant. But that's a risk we're going to take because we'll hope that maybe it's just a blip. Maybe it's just the fad. And then it's that hope that is probably what kills them because hope is no strategy for business. That was it. By the time they started reacting, it was too late. They no longer had forced mover advantage. They were gone. By then, probably Apple had market share at least in the premium segment. And then you've got Samsung eating the uh, affordable side of things. Even and, though. And, and for a large chunk of time, the affordable side was not profitable. I mean, I do recall once, and now it's a good while ago, it's a good few years ago now, but um, at one stage, Apple were earning 110% of the profits in the business, in the, in the smartphone industry. So they're, they're earning 110%. That means that everybody else is, is combined is losing 10%, you know, because there's only 100% profit in it and Apple were earning 110% yeah. of it. How can Apple earn 110% of the profit in the industry? Well, because everybody else was losing money. Now I think it's a little bit more, but it's still something ridiculously high. Apple are earning something like 80 to 90% of the profits. And I think Samsung are getting the rest and everybody else is making losses. But it's all the yeah. related services because Apple's iPhone isn't just a device. It's a platform well, no, for but, selling but, other things. But, yeah, so. True, but for those particular um, figures, it's specifically the device. Oh, it's okay. not taking into account. So it's literally the, you know, how much you buy the phone for and how, how much it costs to make it. So what are the profits in the smartphone market? So they're not even, you know, they were taking into account all the services that Apple provide and that you'd be saying, oh yeah, well, they, you know, it's not like what like because hardly anybody else provides those types of services. But no, that those figures were specifically just for the phones, for the hardware. Yeah, and so, it doesn't uh, include their extortionate Apple Care warranty, I presume, or not as far as I know. No, it was purely for the hardware. So it was, you know, because it was like what like it was. They they're the profits in the smartphone um, yeah. industry that everybody can you know compete with, and, and that was it. So yeah, there's no profits in it. 
you know, outside of Apple for a long time. And even now, I think only Samsung were making profits beyond yeah. Apple and they weren't making anywhere near as many, much profits. You know, Apple was letting them have all the market share, but Apple was taking up all the, the profits. Um, 80-20, we kind of have discussed 80-20 before, mm. is it something like that. Apple were, had 20% market share, but were taking 80% of the profits and letting Samsung and the rest of them have 80% market share, but they can only have 20% of the profits and Apple are more than happy to do that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because they don't want that 80% unprofitable market share. You imagine exactly. the most awkward customers, the moaners, the complainers, the, the people who nibble at discounts. They only want it when it's really cheap and they complain if it doesn't work at the same level as a premium device, but then not willing to pay for that premium quality, shall we say, potentially. I think. And, and I if think you get that, customers like that, too many of the wrong customers will that will destroy your business as well. Yeah, and I think that might have been a little bit of Nokia's thing as well, that they've seen smartphones as a a niche market. Yes, a mm. high profitability niche market. They were looking for the market share. Yeah. And they, they, they ended up with the market share that there was no profit in. And then that market share actually disappeared because everybody that was in it moved to looking for smartphones, which Nokia weren't doing. So then they reacted and tried to come up with them. But at that stage, everybody and their uncle were doing smartphones because they were using Android. So you had Apple with their iOS or iPhone OS, as I think it was at that time still. Yeah. And then everybody else was able to use Android and did it. And Android was, you know, it was a knockoff of iOS, but it was a really good knockoff and it was much better than what Nokia were doing with Symbian. You know, that um, yeah. they, they... Partnership with Microsoft that didn't quite get off the ground for whatever reason. Maybe... The, the, the uh, Windows Phone OS was not particularly good, you know, that when they when they partnered with, or whatever it was called, I think it was, it was Microsoft, I don't think it was Microsoft Phone, I think it was Windows, wherever they actually called it, I can't yeah. remember. But, um, but their um, operating system for phones were, were never free. Mm-hmm. The only thing I will, though, I will say this for, for Microsoft, not a huge fan of, of um, their operating systems and that, but the one thing they did try with their operating system was they tried something different, you know, whereas Android, you know, became a blatant ripoff of, you know, initially when you when you look at the original Android um, depictions, they were a knockoff of BlackBerry. Mm-hmm. And then when the iPhone came out and they realized, oh, BlackBerry's time is up, they they knocked off the iOS. And they do small differences and they try to, you know, come up with gimmicks and whatever to, to do it. But it is clearly based on the iPhone OS. It, originally, it's it's you know, forked at this stage and they're two separate things, but it's still, you can see the, the clear influence on it. Whereas the Windows, Microsoft's phone OS, it was unique looking, you know, they did not try to, which was unusual for them considering how much Windows for PC knocked off the Mac OS. You know, you're kind of thinking that would be their natural thing, but they didn't. They tried to come up with a brand new one and it flopped badly, but you know, at least they tried something different. They didn't just, I suppose they were too late to, to try and copy Apple because Android had already done that, so they they couldn't copy the copy. They had to try and come up with something unique. For, uh, Did they have to? Couldn't they just have launched on Android as well, like all the other OEs, OEMs? Um, I think that well, that's that now. That's what Nokia have done. They, they are kind of making a few smartphones back again, and it's on Android OS. Um, and I think, uh, uh, and actually, Windows, Microsoft have done the same thing effectively because they're now, they did a big thing to get their Windows operating system to work well with Android apps so that you could use your Android app on Windows. Kind of the same way Apple now with the new M1 chips are letting you use your iPad and iPhone apps on 
the Mac OS. Where, um, you know, so they are kind of, but again, a bit too late now for Nokia. They never reclaimed that. Their place was taken by Samsung, effectively. Yeah. Samsung is now holds that place that they had, you know, the big manufacturer that everybody knows of. Apple are still in that premium space, whereas Samsung have taken over what Nokia did have, that space. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you've got two classic strategies. One is the niche for the uh, high margin business. And the other one is just scale. And that's when market share makes sense. Assuming again that your market, that you have market share in, is a profitable market. <laughs> and Samsung have it. You know, what, what Apple are leaving on the table, Samsung are picking up. The other companies are still all yeah. fight for loss making market share. Yeah. Samsung have picked up the scraps that Apple have left on the table. So, yeah. Exactly. And again, when you talk about too big to fail, there's, um, there's companies and then a lot of these global multinational companies are bigger than countries whole GDP. But then you think about massive countries, massive whole economies. Are they potentially too big to fail or could they be severely impacted? I guess this is the thing with the credit crunch, etc. looming. And if people eventually say, oh, I've fed up with having to work only to pay taxes and not get enough money tell you what government you can pay for me for a while um even if it's low even if it's shall we say not really worth a living wage for me it's probably better than working only to give the money back to you guys so yeah let me take it and uh you support me and then see what happens if it collapses that's it i mean you know nothing i don't think is too big to fail because the classic example being the, the uk i mean in the middle of the last century, it, ha- it still had its huge empire. It was, mm. you know, it was a world's power yeah. heading in just before World War Two. It, it was, it was a big, big, you know, not quite superpower, but it, it was one of the biggest regional powers just behind the U.S. and the Soviet Union and that. And then by the time the late sixties came along, going into the, the early seventies, it was literally a bankrupt backwater on the edge of Europe, relying on an IMF bailout to keep it going and looking, you know, effectively making three attempts, uh, succeeded on the tour time to try and join the, what was the EEC, you know, at that stage, the, the EU, to do it. You know, when you, when you look back, I mean, that happened in the space of 50 years. One of the world powers, huge empire, huge, you know, war power, very powerful country, where in 50 years had become so it failed. Basically, it had become a failed economic, economically speaking, had become a failed state. So if something could happen like that for a country that size at that time, you know, relatively speaking, it was. Is there anybody safe? I mean, is the US safe? Is the US too big to fail? If, if the UK could fail at that time, then anybody could fail, really, can't they? <laughs> this podcast shares experiences and insights gained from business, IT and digital finance, dedicated to helping listeners think differently about their career aspirations.